In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, as we wind down the end of 2020, we are now looking at some end-of-year planning ideas today on the Retirement Pathfinder. It's going to be a good conversation, some some items to put on your list, whether you are uh, trying to close out the, the book for the year, or even these are some things even to be thinking about as we begin the new year as well. So it'll serve you kind of both ways. So looking forward to today's conversation. As always, we have uh, Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. They are retirement income planning specialists at Pathfinder Wealth Management there in Rockford. And good to talk to you both again for the, I guess, officially the final time in 2020. Pretty crazy. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah good is. to talk to you too, Ben. Yes. Thank you, listeners. Well, you know, I just wanted to say, Ben, thank you to all of our listeners and our clients, uh, our clients for their loyalty and getting through this year. You know, the, the drops that we saw in the market in March weren't, weren't easy for anyone to get through. And, and it, it's, it's like the old saying goes, there's always something to be grateful for. And uh, in spite of everything that's went on in our country this year, and, and even with retirement accounts, I'm grateful for our clients and just want to thank them for, for their loyalty and staying with us. And thank you for our listeners that send in questions and comments, because that helps us with future podcasts. So uh, just, just being grateful for all of our listeners. Yeah, I'm grateful for the fact that our, our listeners didn't panic. You know, of course, there was a lot of fear, and there still is quite a bit of fear. In fact, the whole purpose of the media is to fear generate generate fear in everybody so that they can stay, you know, intent on the dial. Don't change that dial so that you can hear the solution to the fear problem. But, mm-hmm. you know, our clients didn't panic. They didn't jump out the basement window. They didn't bail out of their, their accounts. And, you know, that really says a lot about them because they, they're listening to our educational process. You know, that's, we take the academic approach that says, you know, you know, no panic, no fear, no fear, no loss, no sell, no loss. Don't sell. Don't get out of the market. And they were very, very disciplined in their particular yeah, approach. We'd like to thank all of our clients for doing that. And uh, so uh, kudos to you, clients. Mm-hmm. Also think, you know, it speaks to both of you as well. I mean, you guys are very level-headed and try to uh, educate people on the podcast. And, you know, we talk about it all the time about not, you know, acting emotionally. And I think, you know, your right. words, I think people have listened to that over the, the, the year, uh, this, this year and, and past episodes and, and taking that to heart. And I think it speaks to what you guys are able to do as well. So I want to thank you guys and the listeners uh, as we kind of wrap up this year. So it's been, it's been very good to kind of follow this process, you know, through the ups and downs and, and, and good to see that maybe we're, I think, I think we said, this, I think we said this a couple of times before, but I think we're finally kind of starting to come out of <laughs> this pandemic a little bit with the vaccine and stuff. So I'm looking forward to what's to come in the next year. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. No kidding. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we all are. Well, yeah. let me remind you, if you haven't joined us, uh, you can find everything online at pathfinderwealth.com. That is the website. Uh, you'll have every podcast archive there, plus a lot of resources that Barbara and Phil offer you online, and you can schedule a, a meeting with them through the website as well. And you can call them if you prefer to do that at 815-399-9806. And I think a lot of people are thinking about end-of-year planning stuff that they need to be taking care of kind of last minute. And you guys will be working right through the end of the year. It's not like you guys are taking off the final week yeah, of the we'll, year, right? Yeah, yeah mm. we'll, we'll be here next week too, Ben. Okay. So if you have anything that you want to kind of get hammered out at the end, uh, reach out to Pathfinder Wealth. But these are also some things you can be thinking about at the start of the year because they still can carry over into 2021. So let's begin with uh, retirement contributions. And I think we talk about this 
and we preach this, but it's important to remind people that you want to try to max these out if at all possible, right? Yes, you do. And it's funny you say that, Ben, because I think uh, once in a while we'll have a client say, well, you, you do say the same thing again and again. It's like repetitive, repetitive. We want it to be so that you remember. That's, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what's going to resonate and with you. as often as we say it, we have people come back and ask us the same question again. Is <laughs> oh, for right. sure that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I'll just take that question. But the maximum is the, is the same for 2020 and 2021 in retirement accounts. And that is uh, $19,500 that you can save in accounts like 401ks, 403bs, your thrift savings plans, and the catch-up is 6500 So you can save up to $26,000 in those accounts. Uh, max out 401k Roths and 403b Roths. Those are the tax-free accounts. And, and the small deduction that you'll receive on your income taxes by contributing to the traditional pre-tax account in your 401k is minuscule. So pay the taxes now. But there's a but. <laughs> Be aware of your company's match because oftentimes a company will match on the pre-tax account, not on the Roth. But you could contribute uh, up to the match in the pre-tax account and the rest you could contribute to the Roth. Now, if your income is too high outside of the 401k now, you could consider a backdoor Roth IRA. You might not be able to contribute to a, an IRA or a traditional IRA or a Roth, but uh, you could consider a backdoor Roth. There's a specific way to handle those, though, so call our office and we'll guide you. Our phone number is 815-399-9806. You have up until April 15th, 2021 to contribute to IRA accounts, but backdoor Roths have to be done by December 31st because there's a specific sequence. So backdoor Roths, December 31st. We had a previous podcast on Roth conversion, so look for that on our website under podcasts, and uh, you could do some planning for 2021. Yeah, we are always hammering to our clients the fact that you don't have to really understand everything there is to know about investments to be a successful investor. But here's one big rule you do need to understand. Pay yourself first. Yeah. You know, you have to remember, and I have three rules. Number one is pay yourself first. Number two is, you know, out of every dollar that you make, part of it's yours to keep. It really is. And so the third one is that time can be your friend if you get started right now. So we don't want to see you or your children at this point, if we're talking about the next generation planning, uh, to wait until they're 45, 50, 55 years of age to begin putting money away for retirement. By that time, they're not going to have uh, much opportunity to really save what they need. Yeah, the compound interest is completely different. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. So, and one thing I'll mention before uh, we move on to the next question too, is uh, uh, the CARES Act this year, that allows distributions from IRA accounts, from retirement accounts, period, without penalty. Uh, I have a 58-year-old client that I just met with last week, and he lost his wife about three years ago. All of their money, uh, his money now is in qualified money. So what we did is we withdrew the rest of one retirement account because he's going to need that income over the next two years before he reaches 59 and a half. Um, he's choosing to not go back to work. So we, we emptied out one account because we can do so this year without penalty. And that's just this year because of the CARES Act. So some things to think about in terms of contributions, but as we uh, reiterated, you want to max these out uh, if you can and if you're still working. Um, So that's the first one, end of year planning tasks. Our second one, you know, end of year, you're thinking a lot about tax planning. Uh, Hopefully you are at least. Um, One thing you can be thinking about right now is tax loss harvesting. Yeah, tax loss harvesting is a very interesting topic, Ben. Uh, Very, very few people know about it. But before I really delve into that, I want to talk about a few things regarding tax planning. It never ceases to amaze us how ill-informed our folks are when 
it comes to tax planning opportunities. And why should they be? There's only, what, 75,000 pages of tax code? (laughs) Okay, so how are they going to keep up with it? But because they don't know some of the basics, they're losing literally thousands of dollars that they could otherwise save in taxes legally. And that's important. But why is this happening? Well, it's because the financial services industry, our business, has done a lousy job, a poor job in educating clients with regard to tax planning opportunities. And we see it all the time. You know, recently, uh, a fellow came in from uh, one of our classes uh, seeking some tax uh, planning opportunities. But this person was not aware, and this person had a sizable account, but was not aware that they didn't have to take their RMD this year. It's mm-hmm. been suspended for one year based on the latest tax law changes. And so their current advisor didn't advise them or advise him about the fact he could skip the RMD this year. So uh, because his advisor didn't inform him about the RMD, he also didn't point out the fact that uh, there was some tax loss harvesting opportunities in the account. That person could go ahead and take some money out of the account at a zero tax rate in replacement or in the place of taking an RMD, take at zero tax for a good part of it. Actually, zero tax for up to $80,000 of tax gain, Barb. $80,000, zero taxes on that, and the rest at 15%. And because he didn't take his RMD, that RMD would have, would have costed him uh, 40%, 40% is what that RMD would have uh, had to cost him in taxes, 40% tax. So it saved him 40% tax, and he had part of his distribution on the capital gains portion of the account at zero tax. Unbelievable. So why didn't the advisor tell him about this? Well, quite frankly, because a lot of the big firms forbid their advisors from giving what they call tax advice. Well, that's a travesty. It's a cop-out, isn't it? It's a cop-out, and uh, it's one of the most important parts of of the education planning process that we use with our clients. We have to help them understand that you can lose thousands of dollars in taxes post-retirement if they don't know the rules. And we don't give tax advice. We don't prepare taxes here. We don't give tax advice. But the tax information that we give to our clients is incidental to the entire planning process to include our educational formats and retirement income planning process. So now getting back to the idea of of tax loss harvesting, what is it? Well, it's the practice of selling stocks or mutual funds in taxable accounts. Now notice I say taxable accounts, that would be non-IRAs, non-qualified accounts, in taxable accounts that have lost value since they bought those investments against positions that are increasing in capital gains. So we have losses being offset by gains. And if we do this properly, mathematically, you can end up paying zero taxes on, and it's called tax loss harvesting. We take from the ones that have lost against the ones that have gained. So let's give you an example. Joe needs income in 2021, and he wants to go ahead and sell some positions in his non-IRA. Now, notice I say non-IRA. You can't do this with an IRA or a qualified plan. It's got to be a non-IRA. So he holds some positions that have lost value since the purchase of those particular positions. He also has other positions that are up since the purchase. So by selling the long-term losses against the long-term gains, one will cancel the other. So if Joe needs $30,000, he calculates basically how much the one is against the other. The lost positions are against the gain positions. He sells them both and zeroes out the tax. And now there's some very important rules that you have to follow if you're going to use tax loss harvesting strategies. Number one, 
long-term losses against short-term gains. If you do that, if you hold positions less than a year and you sell your long-term gains against losses or vice versa, realize this, that you can only deduct up to $3,000 of that loss in that year. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then if you have more than $3,000 of loss, that's carried over from year to year. You have to remember to do that. Right, Barb? Right. You're, yeah. You have, have good records or your accountant hopefully should be taking care of that. Hopefully. Yes. And so, you know, if you had $30,000 in losses, you could literally go 10 years uh, before that would be all, all upset. So really we want to do long-term losses against long-term gains, short-term losses against short-term gains. So number two, watch out for what's called the wash sale rule where you cannot repurchase the same or similar stock or funds within a 30-day period of time from the day that you uh, basically implement this tax loss harvest strategy. So 30 days prior to or 30 days after, it's a prohibitive arrangement. You can't do that. And number three, remember that with our positions for our clients, just because the portfolio is down doesn't mean that you should take a tax loss opportunity. Why? Because we're diversified. We understand that there's going to be some positions that are temporarily down. And those will switch. Those will come up as time right. goes, down, goes on. So you don't want to arbitrarily just go ahead and sell loss positions because it could defeat the entire strategy we have regarding the diversification aspect. Right. Reverse correlation is there for a reason. You know, um, ETFs and index funds typically don't distribute capital gains as often as mutual funds do. Right. So our investors are in portfolios with ETFs and index funds because they are the most efficient. Um, I was, uh, when you're talking about taxes, I was just interesting because I had met uh, not so much for a tax loss harvesting opportunity, but with a, I met with a client last week and she sold a piece of property and had an $80,000 gain. And she's not real in, in reinvesting in real estate so that it is taxable, less her expenses and you know any kind of uh, depreciation, et cetera. And although capital gains is taxed less than ordinary income, depending on how much income you have for the year, you may not pay tax on any on any of the gain at all, like you had mentioned, Phil. Mm -hmm. you, know, you had a great opportunity there. Well, in her case, it looks like she may pay capital gains tax on about $56,000 of that $80,000 gain, but that's at 15% compared to her other income, which is taxed as ordinary income. Well, she was a little bit disappointed, and I said, well, look at it that you had a gain. So basically, an $80,000 gain, it looks like she's going to end up paying about $8,400 in taxes. She could have had a loss in the property and walked away with zero. So I said, you know, be happy because you, you made a profit. Yeah. I, how can you complain about making a profit? You know, right. uh, you can never be criticized by taking your gains off the table. You know what I mean? It's, it's just a position that, uh, that you're, you're, you're very favored in. And so, yes, that's important. And so uh, let's be aware of the fact that tax loss harvesting is a strategy. But rather than you trying to do it on your own, give us a call. If you right. need income for the upcoming year, let us figure out from a tax standpoint what's going to be to your advantage. A great planning opportunity, but one you want to get help with uh, before you act. Um, all right, next up, I know this time of year, everybody's thinking about uh, giving and, uh, and trying to help out others as well. Hopefully you're doing that throughout the year, but I know this is kind of the season of giving. But you, know, you think often about charitable contributions um, and people are looking to make those this time of year. I guess it's important to really evaluate your options and just think about the tax planning aspect of it, right? Well, exactly. You know, Ben, um, the first comment I want to make is, is this, that the United States of America is the most generous nation in the world when it comes to charitable giving. You know, we give not in order to take a tax deduction mm -hmm. for it, you know, although that can be a side benefit, but it's because we believe in meeting the needs of other people. We, we want to meet the needs of other folks out there, whether they're people in the local community uh, or in the nation or even in the world. 
you know, we are a wealthy people, a wealthy nation, and even the most uh, impoverished people, the people at the poverty level, according to the government here, are richer than 90% of, of the other population in the rest of the world. Huh. So let's talk about the tax deductibility of contributions. So prior to the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017, most people would have to file a Schedule A in order to itemize contributions for the deduction. But the latest Tax Cut and Jobs Act, uh, which was passed a few years ago, what it did, it doubled the standard deduction. So for single filers, it went from 6,500 up to 12,400. And for married filing jointly, it went from 12,000 to 24,800. That's the standard deduction. So for most people, they don't need to itemize their contributions. So a lot of these charitable institutions looked at that barb and said, well, gosh, will this be a disincentive for people to give because they're not able to write it off on their taxes any longer? Well, not necessarily. Uh, there's some oh, anecdotal evidence out there that says, well, that's probably the case, but there's nothing really clear that says that there has been a drop in the, in the contributions to private contributions to institutions like churches and Salvation Army, that type of thing. People don't usually give for their for a write-off. They, they don't give for a write-off. Really they don't give. They give because they want to be generous right. with their with their wealth, with what they've been blessed with. So it's not really a disincentive. And this year, it's kind of hard to measure because of the COVID and and the fact that the uh, the economy is topsy turvy. Uh, by the way, we did see the um, the GDP did come up by about thirty three percent since all. it's low. Thirty three percent. That's all. Yeah, for this year. So we're kind of back on track. And we always want to remind our clients that we didn't go through something which was a financial crisis. It was a healthcare crisis. So the pent-up demand is still there. We're looking forward to it. You know, we don't foretell the future. We're not profits, but I would say we probably are going into a very strong 2021. So getting back to contributions, though, here are a few things that you can do for the charitable year, ending up this charitable year. We still have a few days left if you are uh, motivated to give. First of all, you may want to consider giving appreciable assets rather than cash. So if you have stocks or mutual funds that have gone up in value or land, you can go ahead and give that. Now, we recommend do not sell it first because if you sell the position first, you have to pay the taxes, then you make the contribution on the net amount. So you only get a portion of that for taxability advantage. So we recommend that you, you give it directly to the institution. Make sure that you take all the value that you can as far as the tax deduction is concerned. So the other thing is that if you're age seven and a half, you can give part of your IRA directly to a uh, charity through something called a QCD. It's called Qualified Charitable Distribution. And so what that means is that you can go ahead and, and gift that directly from, it's gifted directly from your custodian, whether it's Schwab or TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, Vanguard, whoever it might be, if you go directly from that particular institution, that custodian to the charitable institution. Now, what is the biggest tax advantage by doing this? Well, if you do that, then the IRA distribution doesn't show up on your income for tax purposes. Now, that's advantage number one. But the other thing is that it won't pull other income in for taxability. So your Mm -hmm. Social Security won't be taxed and your capital gains won't be taxed. Other sources of income, rental income will not be included or taxed because you took that IRA to yourself. That's a huge advantage, Mm -hmm. huge advantage. So here's some rules that you have to follow in order to do this successfully. Number one, uh, you have to be at least age 70 and a half to do this. Number two, the contribution must go directly from the custodian, such as Schwab or TD Ameritrade or whoever, to the charity. It shouldn't be made out in a check directly to you. If that happens, Barb, then 
I'll bet they're included. off. Yeah, it's included in your income. Number three, you could contribute up to $100,000 per person. So if you're married filing jointly, that's $200,000 that you can actually gift away that way through QCD. And number four, it must be done before December 31st of the year. So bear these particular rules in mind if you're thinking about doing charitable end of year contributions. Yeah, I had clients that were still doing, uh, they were doing QCDs before this year and continued this year. So they, uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know, that really didn't, didn't uh, sway them at all. The one thing I want to mention is be careful that your charity of choice will qualify. Oh, yes. You know, your church will, 501c3s will qualify. Donor motivation funds do not. Private foundations and supporting organizations do not. And like Phil said, these are, you can, you can start these, chari- these qualified charitable deductions at age 70 and a half. It's interesting because the IRS had uh, coordinated the 70 and a half rule with the first required beginning date to take money from your IRAs with qualified charitable deductions. And uh, so don't confuse this with the RMD age because that just changed to 72, but qualified charitable deductions did not. Those can begin at age 70 and a half. So some things to think about, a lot to think about uh, when it comes to charitable contributions, but always make sure you are planning as you do these things. Our final one on the list of tasks to put on your list here before the year ends, and also some things to think about into the new year. Determine if that Roth conversion makes sense for you. And I think this is something that's come up quite a bit, I think, for clients and for people that are uh, considering it. Yeah, the thing is, that's a good question, Ben, because Phil and I talk a lot about Roth conversions, actually, on our podcast. You know, it's, they're not for everyone. No. And, you know, it's, there's a couple of reasons when it doesn't make sense. But the, the short answer to that question is it depends. It depends on your age, your sources of income, and most important is where you think taxes are headed in the future. Do you think they'll be lower or higher than they are today? And it also depends on when and if you need to access the Roth in retirement. And if so, when would that be? So I recently discussed a Roth conversion with one of my clients and found that he wanted to access the Roth right away withdraw and withdraw mm. the money for income needs in retirement. And that is a reason to not convert. So there's no advantage to putting money into the Roth if you're going to need it right away. So there's a couple of reasons when it wouldn't make sense. And first of all, if you already have high income, it doesn't make sense to do a conversion because you're already in a higher tax bracket and then you're withdrawing money, which is going to put you in a high, which keep you in that higher tax bracket and you're already paying taxes at the highest rate. And secondly, if you're in the required minimum distribution age, 72 now of life, since you cannot convert your required distribution, you'd have to withdraw more money and that additional money you withdraw can be converted to a Roth. But at this stage of life, it may not make sense to do so. So the best time to convert to a Roth IRA is between ages 59 and a half to 72. You can convert before age 59 and a half to a Roth, but there's a couple rules to be aware of. And Phil and I just did an entire podcast on Roth conversions last month. If you didn't hear it, I'd recommend you go to our website at pathfinderwealth.com. And on the top right, you'll see our podcast menu. And I'd recommend listening to that. And give us a call at 815-399-9806. We'd love to hear from you and we can sit down and discuss a Roth conversion for 2021. And again, we don't want to uh, you know, beat this to death, but, but it, it seems to come up every time we talk to folks, Barb, about uh, how people get confused between a conversion Roth and a contribution Roth. Similar. Yeah, they're very similar. <laughs> I mean, they sound the same, but yeah. one is uh, you know, the contribution Roth is where you can put money away for yourself while you're in the workforce your earning income, W-2, 1099 income, whatever it is, self-employed income. Uh, but once you stop working, you can no longer contribute to a uh, Roth contribution account. 
But the Roth conversion account can be done anytime for any amount of money because Uncle Sam will certainly be happy to take all of the tax money up front if you decide you want to convert to a, a Roth conversion account. Yeah, I don't see him doing away with the, with the Roth because I've been asked that. It, uh, it, it doesn't make sense to me from the standpoint that the IRS is getting all their money up front. You know, they don't have to wait for it. Right. But, um, you know, anything, they can't go back and tax what you've converted or contributed because you've already paid tax on that. The only question would be the, the gain on the account. Mm-hmm. Well, the Roth is a great tool, but it doesn't necessarily work for everyone. So uh, as you sit down and, and work out some final things here at the end of the year, uh, ask about the Roth conversion, see if it does make sense. And if it does, act on it. But uh, you, know, you definitely want to get the opinion of a professional like Barbara and Phil, and they're happy to help you too. Uh, end of the year, if you want to get some things worked out, you can do so. Connect with them online, pathfinderwealth.com, or the number is 815-399-9806. So end of the year, final episode of 2020 in the books. I just want to thank you both. Uh, I've had a lot of fun this year doing the show and look forward to a, a new year and a fresh start. Thank you for everything, Thanks. Ben. Thanks yeah. for being our guide. Thank you. And happy new year to everybody too. Yes. Happy new year as well. And we'll talk to you on the other side. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.